Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. Back to my little story. I was telling you that I got came to Christ when I was eight years old in this little church. Somewhere along the way, and uh, I need to say this, my parents, my dad and my stepmother, they took us to church. They didn't just send us to church. Uh, they took us to church. They were there in the church services. And they, there were two services on Sunday back then in the Baptist church as well, and um, Sunday school, then church, and then evening church service. And um, we went to all of those services. And my father, at some point in that time, was serving as the Sunday school superintendent. And that was back in the day, some of you will remember this, you used to, before Sunday school started, you all gathered in the sanctuary and there'd be like a short devotion, maybe 10 minutes, if that, a devotion. And then they would dismiss you for Sunday school to all go to your classes. Think about that for a minute. You couldn't be late for Sunday school because you would miss the pre-Sunday school stuff. And we were all there. And uh, for a time, my dad was Sunday school superintendent, so he would bring the uh, devotions. But perhaps you remember this, if you've been around our church for a little while. Um, I began to struggle with seeing him up front talking about Jesus and following Christ because Friday night, perhaps Saturday afternoon, he would be drunk. And that was a, uh, that I began to struggle with that. I couldn't reconcile what I saw on Friday or Saturday with what I was seeing Sunday morning. I knew there was something wrong with that picture. Now, I want you to understand something. Even as a child, I was probably at that stage 11, 12 years old. I, I could accept my father as flawed. He was a flawed man. He was just a man, and so he was flawed. But in those moments, I couldn't reconcile what I was seeing. It was confusing to me as a young man. It ultimately was a poor reflection of what even my youthful comprehension of Scripture knew and understood. And before I go any far further, I want you to understand something. My, my father ultimately overcame that, uh, his addictions. Hallelujah. And I just realized that as I was sitting here, he was literally the age I am right now when he kicked that habit and he was 15 years sober um, before he passed away. He loved the Lord, but he also loved alcohol. Every follower of Christ must be the embodiment of the truth of the gospel. Just 
as Jesus Christ is the revelation, voice, and reflection of God the Father, so the church, look at your neighbor right now, say, you're the church. So the church should be the manifestation of Jesus Christ to the world. So look at your neighbor or your spouse and tell them, you look like Jesus to me right now. Let's talk about how that's accomplished in our lives today. If you can bring my slides up, Maria, I'm, I'm ready for that. We begin by talking about Christ in us. Um, and from Romans chapter 8, verse 9 is our lead scripture. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So where we begin today is by saying we have evidence of the Spirit of Christ indwelling the Spirit of man. We have evidence in our lives of the Spirit of Christ indwelling the Spirit of man. If you have truly accepted Christ as your Savior, then the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. Everybody that knows Jesus, say amen. amen. If you've truly accepted Christ, that happens via the work of Holy Spirit dwelling in you. He dwells in you. What happens at that point is he then becomes the controlling agent. Mario, if you will. You realize that's a remote control device. We have a remote control device in us. Thank you, Miriam. That actually feels pretty good here. We have the Holy Spirit in us. I have a fresh haircut, so I'm good on that account. You realize that while this device has propellers, it has motors, it has energy that makes it able to go, it is subject to a, the control of another. And if Holy Spirit lives in you, you are subject to the control of Holy Spirit. And so I just used that. I asked Mario if he wouldn't mind displaying his skills with this craft inside the sanctuary. And he did so quite well. What does that mean for us? It means that we should reflect the love of God. That's where we begin. So he is first the controlling agent. The Holy Spirit is the controlling agent 
and consequently we should reflect the love of God. You know what 1 John 4.16 says? It's like this. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in His love. God is love. And all who live in God live in all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Say that out loud. God is love. And I think it's time to start reflecting for all to see the love of God in you. People need to see the love of God in you. 1 John 4, 8, same chapter, just a few verses earlier than the one I just read. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. There it is again. Two times in that chapter, God is love. He's not about the business of love, he is love. He doesn't take on love, he is love. I say it this way, God in his very essence is love. So every child of his should reflect that. So that neighbor that you just said, you look like Jesus to me, ask them now, do they really love you? Because they need to reflect the love of Jesus if they really are walking with Christ. So let's talk about that now. What reflecting Christ looks like. What reflecting Christ looks like. We should reflect God in all his character qualities. Amen? That was pretty weak, but we, we should reflect God in all of his character qualities. Say all with me. All. Not just the ones you like. All is character qualities. And one of those character qualities, just like God is love, he is also truth. God is truth. Remember what you will often hear me quote at the end of a service. The gospel of John chapter 14 verse 6 says... Jesus is speaking, so these are in red. If you have a red letter edition, Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth. You see that? God is not just love. He's also truth. You can't divorce the one from the other. So we should conduct ourselves as a reflection of truth, not just love. How are you conducting yourself in your daily life that reflects the truth of God's Word alive in you? Are you looking like Jesus? How do we look like Jesus? Well, Jesus gave us a word on this. John 15, 10 says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Uh-oh. So, because Jesus remained in the Father, God, if you will, he obeyed what God asked of him to do. Hmm. How's that working in your life? Here's how it is. though. 
If we truly love God, we will reflect Him in our lifestyle. If we truly love God, we will reflect Him in our lifestyle. It's how we walk it out. It's our daily life. It's how we look on a daily basis. I'm not talking about the clothes you wear as such. I'm talking about how you actually live your life. Are you reflecting God? Well, what does that look like, preacher? I'm so glad you asked. Because Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23 actually describe what looking like Jesus is. Acting like Jesus is. Acting like God lives in us. This passage describes that perfectly. Here it is. I'll start on the positive. But the Holy Spirit produces, oh, glory to God, this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. That last phrase may throw you a little bit, but it, it's just him saying that, look, if you do this, nobody's going to hold anything against you. There'll be nothing they can hold against you if you do these. So look at your neighbor right now, tell him you're a fruit producer. Listen, if you're in love with Jesus, this is going to be born out in your life. You're going to be a fruit producer. And so I'll say it again. You are the truth of God's word manifested to this world. You are. You're the manifestation. Just like you're the manifestation of God's love to this world, it's why we have a food pantry. It's why we do outreach in general. It's why we show love. It's why we do care, care for people. the truth of God's word manifested to the world so at home you should reflect God at work you should reflect God looking like Jesus even in the workplace at school you young people should reflect God people should be able to look at you your friends and see Jesus in you and guess what even at the grocery store, you should reflect God. Or any place you recreate. Fact is, anywhere you go, you are a reflection. You do realize that, right? So when you flip that person off who cut you off in tra traffic, you're a reflection. They're seeing a reflection of something. just want it to look like Jesus. Consider how we do not reflect Christ to the world. <laughs> I, I flip-flop Paul's passage here because he starts on the negative where I'm going right now. I just gave you the positive. You'll look like this. But he started, Paul started, same chapter, Galatians 5, but you back up to verse 19, 
And before I read one word, this is in a passage or a letter that Paul sent to a church, the church in Galatia. So when I read what's about to follow, you should go, what? He had that in their church? That was a, these were not church people. Come on. Oh, hear what he writes. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Right out of the gate. Boom. Sexual immorality, lustful pure pleasures, impurity. He's writing to a church. Don't look like a church. Idolatry in a church? Their form of santaria? Sorcery? Some of you Puerto Ricans, y'all know what I'm talking about. Mixing it up, you know. Got a little doll over in the corner. Tita, what do you call them? Tita's house? You know, there's a little doll over there, little stuff around the edges, you know, coins in the pot. I've been there. I've seen them. You're reading your horoscope? You think, I don't do any of those things. That don't happen in my... If you've ever done this on your windshield when a black cat ran across in front of your car, sorcery. What's that black cat going to do for you? You're a child of God. Come on, people. You ain't got room and time for that. I ain't going under that ladder seven years of bad luck. Oh, is that the mirror? Yeah, whatever. It's a waste of brain space, folks. Hostility, though. Quarreling? Jealousy? Uh-oh, I'm about to catch a couple of you. Outbursts of anger. I know that happens in other churches, right? Not here. Selfish ambition. Dissension. Division. Paul, you ought to be a little more detailed, bud. You're leaving stuff out. No, he's not. Envy. Drunkenness. Wild parties. I need to put an asterisk by that because some of us believers have some pretty wild parties. It gets loud. I, I can remember, I don't, it was, I think it was like two years ago after revival services, a bunch of us went to Applebee's. I thought we were going to get thrown out. 
we were clearly hands down the loudest people in there. So this is wild parties that include some of the other stuff already mentioned. They have a licentious approach to their partying. In other words, they're doing stuff that's wrong in the midst of the party, dancing inappropriately, dressing inappropriately, drinking inappropriately. I could go on, but you get the point. That's what Paul's talking about. And just in case he missed anything, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that means that Paul has already told them this. He's repeating to a church that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now I want you to catch something here because some of you are going to get hung up. Some of you kids have seen your parents high or drunk. And you may look in their face and say, wait a minute, you're not going to heaven. Anyone living that sort of life, living that sort of life, it's a lifestyle. So separate the difference. You can mess up, get back up on your feet and follow Christ, but you're trying to live the way that he just spoke of and expecting to go into heaven like I was looking at my father and confused, God's going to look at you and say, I'm not confused. You can't live like that and expect to come in here. Now that was the hard stuff. I understand that. But here's the deal. If we're behaving the same as the world, then we will not reflect Christ. That's what Peter did when he took off the ear of the guy that some of the guys that came to get Jesus. He just <laughs> every time I think about that, I think about Jesus looking at Peter, going, "Really, Peter? Where did you even get that sword, bud? We're out here winning the lost, and you got a sword." He picks up the ear of the here. Here's your ear. Heals the guy. It's also what Peter did when he denied Jesus. He wasn't reflecting God. But lest you throw stones at Peter, remember this. It happens every time our personal agenda overtakes the way of Christ. And whether you want to admit it or not, every single one of you have a personal agenda. You have a personal agenda. When it doesn't line up with, when things don't line up with what you want, you can get out of control. Jealous, envy, cause dissension. What we got to do is put on the mind of Christ and thank God for more writings from the apostle but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets no one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit 
And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Did you catch that line, the first part of verse 12? And we have received God's Spirit. Do you see that? We have received God's Spirit. If you know Jesus, the Spirit of God is in you. When we come to Christ, we become a new creature, and that includes the renewing of our mind. God does this work. He renews our mind. God's not trying to hide his way from you. No, he wants you to know his way. But it is a process. Anybody in process out there? Process of God renewing your mind, God working in your heart, God working in your mind, doing what he needs to do in you? Yeah, yeah, he's certainly renewing our minds, I remember. It's interesting watching this, but I I, uh, remember in our former church, um, I don't know, we were probably four or five, six years in at that point at that church serving in leadership, and it was a rural, rural community. And a fella came riding up on a big old Harley that one day and uh, couldn't help but hear him. It was a Harley. And again, this is a rural community, so I'm the only one there at the church at that moment, and so I walk out and can I help you? And I recognized shortly thereafter that he had the odor of alcohol on his breath. And there he was on his Harley driving up to the church. So he was, yeah, he was inebriated. He had once walked with Christ. He told me the story. He was rough. He was look rough. Wasn't a big man, but he was all scarred up. He'd been in a fire at some point in his childhood. The scars were all up in his, like this, on his neck. So he wasn't exactly a handsome looking fella. Rough cut. Saying to me that uh, I've walked away from the Lord. I'm scared of dying, preacher. Pray for me. I prayed with that man that day, and I wondered, I wondered, as I started that prayer, I wondered, God, is this going to ever matter to this guy? Will he remember this tomorrow? I didn't even tell the first service this, so they missed this part. Do you know that God actually sobered him up in that moment? Literally. Literally. He came to Jesus for real. And this was back in the time when we had services Sunday night, and I often had testimonies on Sunday nights. So about five, six weeks in, he decides he's going to give a testimony. Now remember, I'm talking about processing, the renewing of the mind. Midway through his testimony, about a minute into his testimony, He let out the S word right in the middle of the testimony. That'll wake all you sleeping people up in church. Even the young people were like, dude, I 
I was like a dog looking at, uh, hearing a strange noise. I was like, did he say? <laughs> Looked over at my piano player and pianists, and she'd grown up in the church. She had already fallen off the bench. <laughs> he was in process. His mind wasn't fully renewed yet. It didn't catch up to his words at that point. I, I need to finish that story. Like with my father who, who died 15 years sober, this guy really did come to Jesus. His life was transformed and my wife and I were, had the joy and privilege of seeing him find a good woman, get married, and they're still serving Jesus today. <laughs> There's no such thing as no hope. God is able to do anything. But it requires yielding. A great deal of it. Some of you, some of you brothers in particular, because I'm not around your sisters hearing you say these things, but you still got some of the crude language in your mouth. You'll think it's okay to talk that way, but if you're looking like the world, how are they going to know you're Jesus? How are they going to know Jesus is in you? If you're talking like the world, how are they going to know Jesus is in you? And how our minds get renewed and how we get, go through this transformation, I want you to understand something. There's a direct correlation to how fast we grow in this area and how much time we're alone with God. Direct correlation. How fast you grow. I've watched people, and wow, what a blessing to see someone on fire for Jesus, full of church, coming to church, coming to Bible studies, reading their Bible on their own, praying like they're supposed to, on their own. I remember, even in the early days of this church, I could name her, but, well, a few of you people would actually know who she is, but um, she, she came to the Lord, she and her husband, and I was just amazed, got filled with the Holy Ghost in like three weeks. And just eating up the word and coming to church and on fire for the Lord. And I, that woman was in three years. She and her husband, they were, they were ahead of the 15-year church members. You get what you pour into yourself. There's a direct correlation. You spend... It includes your prayer life. It includes your devotional life. You spend time, enough time alone with God, you'll get to know God, you'll get to know His voice. There won't be confusion when He starts talking to you. And you'll know when there's another voice. You'll pause, you'll question that other voices or those other voices. Yeah. And I want to say this, you really do need church. Listen, if you're kind of on the edge of this, and you've had somebody telling you, you don't have to go to church. Can I debunk that mess right now? Let me be clear on something. Can you get into heaven and not go to church? Yes. 
I'll simplify it. Yes. But you know what's going to happen if you don't attend church, if you don't make it a part of your life? I mean, church is where discipleship shines. Church, it's where you learn and grow in the Word. And here's the deal. Studying God's Word under the tutorship of seasoned believers is vital. It's not just okay. It's not just a good idea. It's vital. It's vital. If you're trying to be a full-on, genuine follower of Christ and coming to church on occasion, Sundays, I'm, listen, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just wanting you to understand you're going to live a weak Christian life if that's the best you get. That's the best you get. You're going to live a weak Christian life. And the stuff I'm saying to you today, you're going to battle and battle and battle. You need good seasoned believers to teach you the Word of God. If you simply, by the way, this includes, if you're only relying on tele-evangelists, Christian TV, if you will, and even their good talk shows with good people that are solid people, and you rely on them and Christian radio without a good pastor or church body, you will be weak and vulnerable. Why do I say that to you? Here's why. You will gravitate to what makes you comfortable rather than being open to the whole truth of God's Word. If you don't have somebody that cares about you enough to look you in the eye and say, no, that's not right. You know you actually need someone who loves you on occasion. I said something about this not long ago, how I was at a pastor's event and I'd come out after lunch. And like 10 minutes after lunch, one of my brothers said to me, hey, Cole, you've got some icing on your chin. I said, thank you. And then everybody else I talked to for the last 10 minutes, I thought, you lousy bum, you don't care about me. You let me look like a fool, like I was drooling. You need somebody that'll hold you accountable. Somebody that'll look you in the eye and say, out of love, not out of meanness, not because they want to get something over on you, not because they want you to look bad so they look better, but somebody that really genuinely loves you, and that's only going to happen inside of the church where people love you and they love the Lord. And they'll say, hey, this is the way. This is what that scripture really means for your life. You, you realize that every cult starts someplace right. Yeah. Some of you don't even know, but you know, you got to be nearer to my age. But Jim Jones, he was Pentecostal, he was actually an AG child, Assemblies of God. Jim Jones, responsible for hundreds of people's death because they followed him and believed what he preached. And that starts because people are not in the Word of God, not in the right place with God. Let me bring it to a conclusion. Our lives, his nature. 
from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Did you hear that? <laughs> he has, past tense, given us, that includes you. Say it with me, everything we need for living a godly life. He's given us everything we need to do this, to walk this out, to look like Jesus to our neighbors and our workmates and our schoolmates. He's given us that. He's not implying it's easy. Of all people, Peter knows that. <laughs> That's him writing these words here. Under inspiration of Holy Spirit, of course. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. He's given us everything we need to reflect his nature. So yes, you can look like Jesus. Maybe your spouse has told you otherwise. Maybe your parents have said that to one of your children. You're not looking like, this isn't the way Jesus lives. To a teenager. And I'm not saying you can't say that to them, but you've got to say it the right way. Because remember, God is love. There's a right way and a wrong way to say these things. So I'll say what I said earlier. We can bear the fruit of that relationship. We can bear the fruit of that relationship. And here we go. If you're going to talk about bearing fruit, we've got to go to John chapter 15. Verses 5 through 8, here it is in the scriptures. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But... If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Didn't I say it a moment ago? You're a fruit producer. But look at what John adds to it. When you produce a little fruit, no, he says, much fruit. You're right. For you are, you are my true disciples. So in other words, if you're not producing a lot of fruit, uh-oh. What kind of fruit are you producing? What is the reflection people get around you? What is that? This brings great glory to my Father. Hmm. That's saying... You bring great glory to the Father. Come on, Pastor Mackay. 
You. You. Not just the preacher. Not just that Sunday school teacher that's really awesome, that you love listening to. No, it's you. You bring glory to the Father by your actions if you're connected to Jesus, the vine. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to ask you a question. First, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or perhaps you walked away from him like that biker who showed up at our church. You walked away from Christ and, and things between you and the Lord are not good, and you know that, and, and if he were to rapture his church, you have a question mark on whether or not you would go. Or if, you know, the roads are all slick here today and you were involved in an accident that snuffed your life out in that instant. If there's any question mark as to whether or not you would go be with the Lord, you want to remove that question mark today. So I wonder if you'd bow your head and close your eyes right now where you're at. Nobody looking around. It's a private moment. And if you will, stay put if you're a believer because you can pray. No distractions. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. If there's any question mark on whether or not you would go to heaven, on whether or not the Lord would let you in, and you want to remove it right now, lift your hand where you're at. You want to remove that question mark. Say, I need Jesus in my life. I want to get things right between God and I. I don't care if you've been here one time, if today's your first day, or if you've been here a hundred times, but things are not good between you and God. Lift that hand up high right now in this moment. You say, I want to change it, preacher. I want to be sure. I want to know I'm going to heaven. I don't want any doubt in the que or question mark. So I'm not seeing any hands. That means all of you are saved. You're good with God. You know you'd go to heaven. Come on, if there's any doubt, lift that hand up. All right, I'm going to ask you believers now, everybody to stand. Well, that's everybody because nobody raised their hand. So that means everybody's standing now. This kind of a message has a lot of reflection on it, doesn't it? It asks you to evaluate how you live your life. What are people seeing? Are they seeing a lot of the world or are they seeing a lot of you and not a lot of Jesus? Is your life riddled with jealousy? Is it full of anger and selfish ambition? Or even those things that are plain and open like sexual immorality? Are you bound by alcohol or drugs? can't walk out, can't be living that lifestyle as a lifestyle and expect to go to heaven, but it's 
It's also a poor reflection on the Lord if you're a believer in Christ and walk in that way. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a chance to say, Lord, I need your help. And I'm going to ask you if there's a, any of those areas that you need to work on. Or maybe it's not, not such a negative thing as in sin you're committing as, in, as much as it is fruit you're not producing. Perhaps I could say this to you. It's a no judgment zone. You can come forward now. It's not our business to judge why you're here or what's going on in your life that makes you so bad you need to be at the altar. Rather, it's us recognizing that like I spoke of my father who was a flawed human and you're looking to be a better fruit producer, maybe you'd walk out of your pew right now and come to this altar. I got to have some more fruit in my life. Maybe you want to be for real. Haven't been so real for a while. And you say, I, I got some mess. I got to get that mess out of me. Got too much of the world in me. Acting like, you know, my neighbor drives me nuts and I can't help it. I just get mad at him, preacher. Start cursing at him. You're Peter lopping off the ear of this person coming for Jesus. You throw that mess out there. They're not seeing Jesus. They're seeing the mess. And they start, ultimately, will criticize Jesus because of you. School, work, recreation. Maybe nobody's seeing it, but you know you're doing it. Come on, now's the perfect opportunity to say, Lord, I need your help. I'm not here. I'm not going to lay hands on these people. This is between them and the Holy Spirit. He's got to do the work because he's the only one that can make any real difference. Father, as we stand here in this moment, God, it's a somber moment. Nobody likes to admit they got flaws. None of us like to say or have people looking at us wondering what's, what's up with us. What are we doing? How come we're like that? Why did we go to the altar? None of us want to admit these things, but yet, Lord, pretty much all of us have some flaws. Pretty much all of us can hardly go through a week that we don't poorly reflect you. And even if we're not doing something, actively doing something wrong or sinful, we're not producing love, joy. We don't have patience. We've acted out of, we've not acted out of kindness or gentleness. Perhaps we've been unfaithful on some level, Lord. And so, God, along with these that stand in the front now, I ask you to forgive them, forgive us, forgive me when I don't look like you, Jesus. Forgive me when I'm a poor reflection of you. 
when I allow my flesh to be greater than your spirit within me. When I forget that people are looking at my outward exterior, they don't really know my heart. God, help us to be a better reflection of you. Help us to be good fruit producers. So I pray now for every person that's standing at this altar right now that you, Holy Ghost, will fill them up. Fill them up till they're overflowing. And you gush out on people around them. (laughs) And they are able to say, I don't know what it is about that woman. I don't know what it is about that guy. He really must be different because... I don't know, I just feel something when I'm around him and it's good. They see Jesus in us, Lord. I want them to see you in us all the time, Lord. Not our muck, not our mess, not the garbage. So help us, Lord, to continuously be filling ourselves up with your word, worshiping you and filling ourselves up when we're around others in good fellowship, when we're learning the word in Sunday school or in a church service or on Wednesday nights when we're in church, Lord, we can grow with you so that what comes out of us, Lord, is a lot of you and not much of anything else. Bless these ladies. Bless them all, Lord. Cover them, Holy Ghost. Fill them to overflowing. You know what? And all of those that should have been down here, Lord, you know them, you know them. Holy Ghost, track them down. Track them down, Holy Ghost. Don't let them walk out of here as if everything's okay. I'm okay. I know Jesus loves me. I'm not challenging whether he loves you or not. I'm challenging you on how much fruit you're producing for the kingdom of God, how you're reflecting him on an everyday basis, in your home, at your work, at your school, even when you recreate and you're not working or at home. Wherever you are, are people seeing Jesus in you? Is he what comes flooding out of you? Bless them, Jesus. Every single one of us. In your powerful name we pray, Lord. Amen. Love you folks. Have an amazing day. Enjoy yourself. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610 865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel, not only to the Lehigh Valley, but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.